The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back into the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Before GP and I get into the meat of this episode, a reminder, we are auctioning off not just one, but two bonus episodes. If you are watching on YouTube right now, you are seeing the eBay link come up. That is where you need to go. If you're watching this, look down below in the description. If you are listening on your phone, go to the podcast description. Also, find my Twitter account at Matt Norlander, at Gary Parrish CBS, at I on CBB podcast, even the at CBS Sports CBB social media account. We will share this eBay link frequently. We are giving you a 20-second episode. The details of why it wasn't just one bonus episode, but two have been, well, previously detailed on an earlier episode. I won't bore you with that. But please go and bid. If you are a fan of a Division One school that has not already been highlighted or will be highlighted in our Summer Shootaround Series, you are going to get the bonus episode. Oklahoma, congratulations, won the first bonus episode. This second auction, which can only be won, at the eBay link in the description, will go up. It will be the very last Summer Shootaround that we do. Oklahoma won for 500 I want to try and double that. I want to get it to at least 1000 Rally your friends. It, you can be from the biggest school we haven't talked about to literally a low major and a one-bid league in the middle of nowhere. We, If you win it, we're talking about you. That's a reminder. Rally your friends. The auction ends August 25th. August 25th. You have between now and then to win your episode. We appreciate all the love and support. We got a mailbag episode coming soon. Send all of your suggestions to that. Shouts to cbs at gmail.com. And now let's get to the show. there. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today, we are continuing our summer shoot-around series that we're going to be doing over a seven-week span. We've already published episodes. Go find them. They're out there. Arizona, Arkansas, Baylor, Connecticut, Creighton, Duke, Florida Atlantic, Gonzaga, Houston, Kansas, Kentucky, Marquette, Miami, 
and Michigan State. We're working in alphabetical order. That brings us to the letter N. We're turning our attention to North Carolina. Tar Heels were 20-13 and 13 last season, finished seventh in the ACC with an 11-9 league record. Yuck. Lost to Virginia in their second game in the ACC tournament, and that was it. They missed the NCAA tournament after being preseason number one in the AP poll. They were arguably the biggest disappointment in modern college basketball history. Two of the top three scores for that team are back, and the Tar Heels have added some interesting transfers. Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, also a five-star guard. I've got North Carolina ranked 22nd in the top 25 and one. We'll see what Norlander thinks about that next. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Okay, dead leg. North Carolina as a preseason top 25 team. Do you get it? Or does it gross you out? <laughs> I get it. How about that? I get it. I actually get it. As... They're going to try and flip this thing, man. Hubert Davis, can he flip this situation? Can he flip the vibes in Chapel Hill? I think now that we've hit mid-August, our esteemed producer, Kanata Edwards, is allowing us to finally talk about this program again after (laughs) they just could not get out of their own way and became... uh, the biggest melodrama in the sport last season. They're They're like the Mets of college basketball. Um, no, uh, they have a much better history and more esteem. Yeah, but, but in the present time, the they're contemporary like the sense. Yes, that's correct. They were number one in the AP poll, couldn't even make the NCAA tournament. The Mets had the highest payroll in Major League Baseball yeah, history. North Carolina didn't have the most in NIL. They but they didn't they didn't shy away, don't get me wrong, but they weren't they didn't have the deepest pocket. So I think it half works there. They stunk. Continue. Yeah, <laughs> they did stink. Statistically the most disappointing ever because we might have mentioned this a few times. The only preseason number one team to ever miss the NCAA tournament in the modern era. Yikes. So, um, many reasons for it. They were weak defensively, didn't force the issue whatsoever, didn't have a win against a top 30 team, had only three wins against the Ken Palm top 50. That's obviously got to change. Now, there was the expected mass exodus. There was even uh, another uh, player that left, Simeon, Simeon Wilcher, who decommitted after incoming five-star freshman Elliot Cadeau, who reclassified, decided to commit there. Um, Cadeau and R.J. Davis playing alongside each other should be interesting because R.J. Davis can play point if they need him to. He, he thrived at times being off the ball. He can, thri- he can thrive with both, but he's the vet. He's the, he's the straw that's going to stir this Carolina drink, even if Armando Baycott, obviously, and rightfully so, will be a preseason first-team All-American. Uh, I think there is a possibility that R.J. Davis could be the most important player for this North Carolina roster. Hubert Davis probably enters this third season with more pressure than could possibly be expected, considering he made a national championship game and was winning by 15 at halftime against a blue blood program and arguably the best coach in the sport in Bill Self. But here we are. Um, 
it's not a hot seat season, but Carolina failing to obviously make the tournament, and I would say failing to be a top four kind of team, and I'm saying top four. Maybe UNC fans won't even give that amount of grace or latitude. Uh, will certainly bring a lot of angst this season. Uh, that being said, this team is super compelling because of this, because you get a familiar face back in Baycott who decided to come back, who took the bag and, and can go down and already is, but you know, even further cement himself in, um, in the record books at Carolina and be one of the best players to ever don that gorgeous Carolina blue uni with him and RJ Davis. That's the key. Uh, once again, as always, GP will, will break down the roster even more, but those two players are the most important, in my opinion. Elliot Cadeau has the potential maybe to step in as a super young freshman point guard and and make something of himself. But I am not I personally, I'm I just I want to see if it can develop. I'm not I'm not banking that as an automatic there because freshman point guards in this era of college basketball, there are not a lot of them that can step in and be high impact players, especially when you consider that Cadeau decided to reclass. Now, if he's really got the talent and he's that good, then the reclass is going to be justified in a no brainer there, but he steps in. Um, I think the more immediate uh, point of curiosity for me, even if Cadeau's got the, got all the, the plaudits for, uh, for what he was as a high school player, you know, I want to see what Harrison Ingram does uh, the transfer from Stanford. Cause I think that he's got a chance to really like step in and shine um, all these guys. though, Paxson Wojcik, Ingram, Cormac Ryan, Jalen Withers, uh, even James Oconquo. Um, they're coming. Well, West Virginia made the tournament. The other four came from losing situations, so they're desperate to prove something. But uh, your thought? I mean, you've obviously got enough confidence in the team to get them top twenty-five level. Um, overall, with this roster, you look at it and you had a number one last year. But you look at this team and you think it's going to be a better situation than what they had a season ago. I do. Um, listen, I was wrong a year ago. Everybody was. So, Everybody was. You know, so we'll see. Um, but I like this team. Honestly, I think the roster is better than. 22nd in the country, which is where I have them. It's just that it's reasonable to be skeptical because, you know, let's be honest, the, the Hubert Davis was amazing to get that team to the title game in 2022, but uh, there's been more not good than good since he's been the head coach there in terms of results. That's just, that's just the truth. That's fair. Yeah. And um, it, it's, it's, it's reasonable to wonder um, exactly where this thing is going. But I do like how he has positioned himself for success heading into year three. And for what it's worth, at BartTorvik.com in their preseason rankings, they do have North Carolina higher all the way up at 15th behind only in the ACC, Duke, um, which is um, ranked fifth at Torvik in the preseason. And I've actually got Duke at, at number three in the top 25 and one. They returned four starters last year. And then look like a basketball team with a bunch of guys that didn't know how to play together. That's concerning. This time, they're only returning two starters. And they're going to fill in those gaps with two transfers and a freshman point guard. I love the idea. I just I like in college two point guards. I like I like in college basketball, I like teams that play two point guards. You can even play two small guards. Like Villanova's done it. Kansas has done it. You can literally win national championships playing multiple ball handlers who are small. You, you, I don't know that you can do that in the NBA. You can do it in college. So the, 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 yeah, they're little six foot and six, one Cadeau and Davis, but like Davis is a proven high level college basketball player. 
And Cadeau is a top 15 player in the class of 2023 after reclassifying from 2024. I like that. Harrison Ingram, like, it's just time. Yo, man. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Five-star prospect at a high school. And also, like, some people thought he would be a one-and-done lottery pick type guy. It just hadn't happened. Now, I wonder how much of that is just – it ain't happened for anybody at Stanford in a while. Zaire Williams went there. It was just nothing. Um, the, 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 you know – like Stanford has been nothing for years. So maybe you just get him out of there and he'll be, I don't know, but you know, it's a former five-star prospect who at one time people thought was going to be in the NBA. He's in college. I promise you longer than he thought he would be. And so now we'll see if he can uh, get his career on track at North Carolina, maybe become what it is. His potential at some point suggested he would be uh, Cormac Ryan's another interesting player. I'm assuming he starts on the wing. Davis Cadeau and then Ryan, um, basic playing what what amounts to the three, even though he's he's only six foot five, but he averaged twelve points, four rebounds, uh, you know, uh, last season, and he's made about thirty six percent of his threes in the past three years at Notre Dame. He started his career at Stanford, so think about this: Stanford, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Anybody got a better three in terms of just like? schools yeah okay hey, that's, that's, three, these three schools those are three that's three of the top 30 universities in america according to u.s news and world report uh that's i think he wins it actually yeah yeah that's pretty good so um i, I don't you know and then baycott baycott was you know productive last season 16 points 10 rebounds 55 percent for the field he was down but though shooting percentage was down mm-hmm. points and rebounds per game down I, but I don't think that means he's worse. I just think it means he, his numbers were slightly down. I don't think he's worse. I don't. No, I don't think he got worse. Uh, the team situation was all. Yeah, I mean, the, t- the team was messed up. The team was yeah. messed up. And what you hope, and I'm not trying to pile on anybody, but what you hope is the Caleb Love thing is addition by subtraction, right? I think both of these things can be true because I don't want somebody going back to our Arizona episode and saying, hey, I thought you said Caleb Love would be good. You ready for this? I think Caleb Love will be good, a good college basketball player this season. And I think North Carolina might be better because he's not there. Does that make sense? I think both of those things can be true. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, I laid the gut here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. They both can be true. Uh, there's a chance they will be true. There's also a chance. I mean, there's a chance. And, you know, part of why we do these is I want to give some reason for optimism, but I don't want to just be all pie in the sky, Pollyanna-ish. Like, it, maybe this doesn't work. But I will lean toward more that it works. And a big reason why is uh, Armando Baycott strikes me as someone who's a get it guy. He, he's he's grown up, obviously, in college terms. He's a, he's a vet at this point. Um, and... Him deciding to come back, 
Yeah, I mean, he averaged 15.9 points uh, and 10.4 boards last season, which is a tremendous average. We'll see how, like, we'll see what Ingram can drop. I, I'm not saying he needs to, like, be a 20 and 13 guy. I think he could be. I think if he really wanted to, he could be. But he will, I think Armando Baycott is going to strike the balance between being the superstar. And I don't say that term lightly at the college level, the superstar that Carolina might need him to be to maintain its standing near the top of the ACC and the leader and team player uh, and, you know, facilitator in spirit as a big man that the group might need him to be to lift everyone else up. Baycott, you know, he is, I think, fairly evaluated as one of the five best players heading into the season. And some of that is because of the bigs and who we know and how productive they've been. Um, I don't know if he has a great chance at winning national player of the year because of the fact that like RJ Davis can fill it up and he might well, and maybe Ingram is going to be 13, 14 points a game. And maybe Carolina won't be able to crack into that top 15 level kind of team that you might need to be. If you're going to be really uh, a true end candidate, but uh, him coming back is massive because if they did not, it, my opinion is if Baycott had decided to leave college, which no one would have blamed him if he had decided to do that, we would not be, maybe we would because it's Carolina, but we, Carolina would not be a preseason top 25 team. That just would not be the case unless, uh, and in some parallel universe, like Dickinson goes to UNC instead of Kansas because Baycott wasn't there and they've got Dickinson, then we've got a different conversation. But if that's not the case, Baycott is the reason why there is still hope it's springing eternal in Chapel Hill right now. And UNC fans, even if they do like a lot of the other pieces, there, new and returning and, and with Cadeau coming in and, and a real, you know, injection there because they've had, you know, over the, over the years, like UNC's had, obviously it's been point guard you to a certain extent. We get that, but Baycott is the guy. He needs to be the guy. He needs to be consistent in. And I, I believe that he will continue to hold his teammates accountable because the number one thing I love about this guy, the number one thing has nothing to do with what his game has zero to do with what he's doing on the floor. Armando Baycott is willing to speak to the media honestly and not filter himself. And as someone who covers the sport, talks about it, writes about it. I always appreciate the, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old young men who are willing that know how to talk to the media that aren't afraid to do so and aren't afraid to, you know, not be a robot or be pre-scripted. Baycott isn't like that whatsoever. I think the program is better because of it. And I think it's why um, he works so well as a leader, because I think this is, you know, garnered secondhand to a certain extent. I think he, he commands a lot of respect because he does hold himself super accountable. And he has, again, by all reports in this offseason, and he'll, uh, he'll be a major figure in the sport heading into, heading into November. You mentioned pressure on Hubert Davis. Is it job pressure or just quality of life pressure? Because there's a difference between the things, two things. Um, when I say you have job pressure, I mean that if this doesn't go well, you might lose your job. When I say you have quality of life pressure, it means that this doesn't go well, you're not going to lose your job, but your life's going to suck because you're just going to be criticized by the people you want to love you. And it's going to get really ugly on message boards and talk radio and podcast and all of these places. Does Hubert Davis have job pressure or quality of life pressure? I think he has quality of life pressure if you're going to strictly do it between the two. Um Obviously, never say never with this stuff, but I just don't see a situation. Uh, one, because we think it's going to go well, but even if it doesn't go well, if Carolina misses the tournament, is Hubert Davis losing his job? I don't believe so. Uh, for a number of reasons, one, num- number one, top that list. Uh, uh, he's been there. He's he's you know he paid his dues. He left he left a, a great job in television to go and grind it out as an assistant. 
uh, and did that for, you know, a better part of a decade. Uh, he's obviously an alum there and was the choice for, for Roy. He was Roy's preferred choice to get the job. And even if, again, this is hypothetical, I don't think we're getting there. I don't think Carolina's missing the tournament back-to-back years. I, I acknowledge that it is conceivable. I just don't think we're heading there. But if it did go there, I still don't believe that he would be out uh, out of a job. I think that he would get a fourth year and get a chance to try and start anew with which would, would then be, you know, then you'd have Davis and Baycott, they'd be on their way and, and try to do it one more time. And obviously Carolina still has been a pretty important factor on the recruiting trail. That's my read on it. What's yours? I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's quality of life pressure more than job pressure, but I just wanted to go look this up real quick. Mm-hmm. Matt Doherty missed the NCAA tournament two years in a row, and he was gone after year three. So he missed it year one, year two. No, no, he made two, it year. Three. Matt Doherty made it in year one. One, you know, tied for first in the ACC, went to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Then he missed it in year two, missed it in year three, and that was game set match. So there, there is a precedent yeah, at this. I, I know, I know, but obviously. Yeah. And for our younger listeners, they don't really have the context around this. Um, and even though I was in college at that point, I very much remember it being there. There is no Roy Williams out there. The Roy Williams, yes. Carolina guy who is just killing it at Kansas. When is he going to come back to UNC? That lingered in the air for a good half decade and compounded the pressures on Doherty. Hubert Davis does not have someone like out, out there coaching any of the pro ranks or the college ranks. It's interesting, though. You look at the some of the Blue Bloods. Because I think John Calipari is in a similar situation in the sense that I don't think he has job pressure, but he does have quality of life pressure. But it's like at these big, like two of the biggest brands in the sport, Kentucky fans want to see if John Calipari is still the guy for this job. Yes. He obviously was the guy for the job. Is he still the guy for the job? And at North Carolina, it's a slightly different question. Is Hubert Davis the guy for this job? Like, you know, like he, he has made a championship game, and that is not to be discounted. Absolutely not. He has made a championship game, and like you said, he was up double digits. Caroline, buddy, if you could just go, re- how different is the world? The like Hubert I Davis's know. world. If you like the those last twenty minutes of that game, just go different. Like you ever play golf, and you're like, my God, if I'd have just handled. 11, 12, 13 di- different. Like you, you, you look back at a round. The entire back nine, but I know, I know what you're saying there. And with Cal, with Cal, it's has his window entirely passed with Hubert Davis Davis is it's like, it, 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 will, it, will his win? It, does he have a window? Is it, is it that's right. two different? There are two different, two things. different things. I will say this and continue with your thought. Um, if Kentucky misses the tournament this year and Carolina misses the tournament this year in 2024, I think the more likely scenario of those two is that even though neither, neither is likely, I would, I would think that Calipari and Kentucky splitting is more likely than Hubert Davis and Carolina splitting. That would, I would lean that way. Some people may disagree. The numbers on it, I uh, went and looked this up last night. North Carolina has now played 72 games under Hubert Davis. 72 games. Records 49 and 23. ACC record is 26 and 14. I guess none of that sounds horrific, but here's the thing that's interesting. Of those games, 72, 27 of those games have been played while... Carolina was ranked inside the top 25 at Kempom. 45 games have been played while Carolina was ranked outside of the top 25 at Kempom. Under Hubert Davis, you know, nearly by, and excuse my rough math, but you, you know, nearly by a two to one margin, 
they're playing games outside of the top 25 at Ken Palm as opposed to while ranked inside of the top 25 at Ken Palm. That's not where Carolina is supposed to be. It's not. And this is a significant year because of that. And we'll be talking about the Tar Heels plenty. Here is the schedule. Okay. Three bye games to start Radford, Lehigh, UC Riverside. Then the MTE Carolina fans know this, at least most of you listening do, but if you are not a UNC fan and have lost track, they will be in the Bahamas battle for Atlantis for the Tar Heels this season, open against Northern Iowa. Then we'll play either Villanova or Texas tech. Uh, both those teams have plenty of intrigue to them. And Villanova has a definite top 25 case heading in Texas tech. Might not be too shabby in his first year under Grant McCaslin. And then on the other side of the bracket, UNC will play one of these four teams. A Michigan group that I don't project to make the NCAA tournament. A Memphis team that will be among the oldest, if not the oldest, in the country and should make the tournament. Arkansas, they build a new. We did a summer shoot-around. Go check that out if you haven't already. Our episode on the Hogs. And then maybe we get the, uh, the Harrison Ingham special because Stanford is one of the four on the other side. Stanford not exactly projected to be an NCAA tournament team. So that's Battle for Atlantis. Then they will host Tennessee in the ACC-SEC Challenge. They will play UConn in the Jimmy V on December 5th. On December 16th, they will play Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Atlanta. They get Oklahoma in the second year of the Jumpman Invitational. That is in Charlotte. And then they will wrap up with Charleston Southern. So as a reminder on that, either Nova Texas Tech, Power Conference team, and then one of Michigan, Memphis, Arkansas, Stanford. So you got two there. Tennessee is the third power conference team. UConn is the fourth. Kentucky is the fifth. Oklahoma is the sixth. Hubert Davis and your entire staff, kudos for scheduling aggressively, ambitiously in the spirit of Dean Smith and Roy Williams. It's great to see this program even coming off a disappointing year, not shying away from trying to lean into as much as possible. As for the ACC schedule, only on the road against BC, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Virginia. You hope you can get out of that three and one at home against Louisville, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. The hope there is you go 4-0. And then home and aways, Duke, NC State, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Syracuse. I'm going to put this over-under, and I'll go first this time. I'm going to put the over-under, and I really did bounce around on this. I'll say 22.5 wins. Over-under, 22.5 wins in the regular season heading into the ACC tournament for the Tar Heels. And mark me down for under. I will say 22-9, and nine, easily enough to get them into the NCAAs. I think Carolina, even if it hits some rough patches, and we don't know the ACC schedule, so we'll see how that, uh, that shakes out. I, I, I'm going to say that Carolina largely if not entirely avoids the bubble conversation but it will have a couple of moments this season where it's just kind of like well they lost that one and they certainly shouldn't have but i think that they'll be okay they'll have some room to spare i don't know if i buy them as a top 20 team i definitely buy them as a tournament team 22 wins what say you gp i promise you the second you go through the schedule i develop the number in my head are we are we even again i'm going under I've got it at 22, three non-league losses, one in Atlantis, and then just two somewhere else, you know, Kentucky, maybe Tennessee could be a bye game, just two more. In addition to one in Atlantis, that's three go 14 and six in the ACC finish, say a game or two back of Duke. And, you know, that's six league losses. So six plus three is nine 31 minus nine. That's 22. It is bonus over under over under fi- under finishing and over is better under is worse over under finishing second and a half in the ACC over 
So you've got him third, Miami theoretically second then. No, 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 no. I, I, if, I, I, if I said it the wrong way, my apologies. So you got UNC two, Miami three. I do. I have it um, Duke in the ACC, Duke one. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I've got it backwards. Okay. Duke one, Miami two, North Carolina three. Yeah. And so I'll go, yeah, 14 and six in the league with Duke as your conference champion. Got North Carolina finishing third in the ACC and 22 wins heading into the ACC tournament. My bottom line on this is if objectively speaking, as as a non-UNC fan, finish one, two, three, four in the ACC and you, you find a six or better next to your name in the tournament. And I think I just take it. I think, I I think you take that this season because if you got a six or a better, you know, even though it doesn't always exactly align like this, your top 25 level team, I would take that. We'll see. I think there's a chance that they could be outside of that, but I, I'm going to bank on Davis and Baycott, and I'm very interested. The, this team, there, we have no shortage of, of intriguing teams, and hopefully the shoot-around is, is kind of reminded of yet, and we have plenty more to come here. But I would rank UNC in my top five. I'm most eager to watch play in the first two weeks of the season. I just want to see how this goes. Get me to the, get me to the Battle for Atlantis. Let me see what this team is. Let me see how it, how it's how it's shaping up and how it is rebuilding itself after the disaster of last season. I think that's an episode. It is. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Hook Larnell. Yeah. Shouts Thank- to Leaky Black, wherever he may be. We uh, we've got to give Leaky at least a quick mention on the on the Carolina episode. He's with the uh, the Hornets of all teams. We're happy to see that he was able to stay local. And uh, I don't. I hopefully he makes the roster. Hopefully he makes the roster. Thank you guys for watching, listening. I own college basketball podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Rate it, review it, leave a comment. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So please go do that if you haven't yet. I thank you in advance. We'll talk to you again real soon. Next up in our summer shoot around, it's the P word. <laughs> what? Purdue. Okay. What do you are you are you thinking? What do you think is the P word? I always thought Purdue was the P word. Psychotic. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. 